This is the Leadership 360 Podcast, where each month we have an inspiring conversation with a fellow leader aimed at enhancing your skills and faith in all areas of your life. While our podcast is designed for Seventh-day Adventist Church leaders in the Texas Conference, we invite leaders from all over to join us in this journey. Welcome to Leadership 360. Welcome to Leadership 360 Podcast, our first episode. This is designed for our leaders throughout the Texas Conference. And I can't think of anyone I would rather have on our first episode than a good friend of mine, Elder David Montoya. David is our Executive Secretary here at the Texas Conference, longtime colleague and friend. Um, In the two years I've been here, I've loved getting to know you better and work with you and and just enjoy spending time with you. So, David, thank you for coming on our initial episode of the Leadership 360 podcast. Well, thank you for the invitation and for those kind words. Well, you know, that means a lot to me. And it's recorded, too. So now you can play them back over and over and over again. Wow, that's so affirming. So share a little bit. I've known you, like I said, for the 12 years that I've been in, in Texas. But share a little bit about your background. How did you end up becoming the executive secretary? of the Texas Conference. Thank you for the question. Well, we can go in reverse. Um, right before coming to the conference office, I was working as a pastor in the Eagle Pass, Del Rio, Maine, Del Rio, San Felipe, and Uvalde District. Uh, four churches, four congregations within about an hour, um, Eagle Pass to Del Rio, Eagle Pass to Uvalde. And, so, uh, so I'm interested, you know, you've been in ministry a few years, why in the world would Eagle Pass four churches? You, you got to give a little bit more context. Like, did you tick somebody off or how did you end up in Eagle Pass? I think it was providential. I, I believe it is. Um, so Eagle Pass is where I spent some of my years growing up. That's where I finished high school. Gotcha. Right. That's where I met my now wife, then a girlfriend. And it was there that she came to know Jesus through the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And she shared with me her faith, her belief. And it is there I was baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church there in Eagle Pass. Oh, wow. So currently my parents reside there. I have some siblings. So it's neat to think that I was born there spiritually. And here, you know, years later, decades later, I'm back there serving now as a pastor. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think it was cool. So even though I was born in Othello, Washington State, and lived there several years, uh, I'm from a migrant family. So we'd go up there every year and work in agriculture. Um, eight months out of the year, we were there, four months in Eagle Pass. Okay. And then at one point, I remember in high school, as a teenager, we just stopped going because um, that f- industry started implementing machinery, taking the you know, place of human labor. Sure. So uh, I finished high school there in Eagle Pass, graduated. Um, then I went to Uvalde, to a junior college, two-year college. And uh, it was there that um, I... Then moved on to San Antonio to find work, of course. And a year later, in 1986, because I was baptized in 1985, in 1986, we married. Uh, by that time, we had known each other five years. Wow. Um, and then... Uh, so really high school sweethearts then? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And what's interesting is that um, here I am a senior, uh, about to graduate, wondering you know, what I'm going to do for li- in life, you know, as far as employment, uh, is there going to be a partner, a wife? one day, and I meet her, and uh, of all places, in the karate class <laughs> session. I was interested in martial arts back then. Uh, again, didn't grow up Seventh-day Adventist, so I didn't know about angels protecting us, taking care of us, and you know, God's watching over us. God, singular, watching over us. 
And um, so, yeah, I was into martial arts for self-defense purposes. And the instructor instructor uh, turned out to be my now wife's brother. No way. So I always have to be on good behavior. That, behavior. I would say so. I would say so. Wow. So, so then you guys married in 1986. In 1986. And then 1987, like I said, um, we, we moved on. I, I knew something was missing. Um, what I was doing back then as far as work was satisfying, but there was something missing. So I felt God's call to ministry. So I came to uh, Southwestern Adventist College back then and studied. And I was there three years from 87 to 1990. In 1990, graduated. The conference, Texas conference uh, picked me up. Uh, sent me to my very first district, Alice and Falfurias. Very few people know where Falfurias, especially. I'd I'd lived in Texas for a long time before I figured out where Falfurias was. It's between San Antonio and McAllen, right in the in the near the Rio Grande Valley. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so um, that that's quite the first district. Yeah, very special, very special. Lots nice people, nice folks. And so after the year was up, we went on to Andrews University and was there for a seminary. Uh, from 91 to the end of 93. Then, of course, it was time to come back. I was assigned uh, to work as associate pastor there in Houston for a little under a year. And then from then on, different different um, uh, assignments. Waco, Colleen Temple, that was one district. San Antonio, Durango, Eastgate, another district. And then in Austin, uh, Austin Spanish first. So, So you have served in almost every area of the conference. Um, I mean, think about just, you know, San Antonio, Houston, you know, Central Texas. That's a good observation. You know, I don't know if you have a bingo card of trying to hit all the, you know, serve serve as a pastor in all those different areas. I didn't think you're close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're close. And now, of course, working here in the North part of Texas. Texas, Yeah. So So you've been executive secretary how long? I have been executive secretary of since May of 2019. Okay. So a little over four years. For years and some months. So I'm going to ask the obvious question for our listeners. What in the world is an executive secretary? That's a great question. So the executive secretary is one of three of the three executive officers. Okay. So you have the president, you have the treasurer, and you have the executive secretary. And it's my department or, or ministry, because they are ministries. Mm-hmm. All, all the departments are ministries is the one that maintains corporate and church-related records okay, uh, pertaining gotcha. to you know the Texas Conference of the Adventist. So it is uh, our department or our ministry that oversees, uh, for example, when someone is baptized, we make sure that that baptism or profession of faith is recorded. Okay. When there's uh, membership transfers, we oversee that, make sure it's done appropriately and, and effectively and efficiently. Um, it is my department that also uh, processes pastoral transitions. Okay. Whenever there's a vacancy, you know, with the help of our field secretary, which is David Runnels, Elder mm-hmm. Runnels, uh, we make sure that um, as fast as possible, as soon as possible, as efficiently as possible, there is in place a pastor for that okay. assignment there. Uh, we process uh, new employees, whether they be pastors, teachers, uh, office staff, or, or others. And uh, we also process retirements. And uh, some pastors, you know, decide perhaps to go to a, a different conference or a different uh, ministry altogether. So we'll process uh, those resignations as well. So administrative, you you do the heavy lifting of, of the administration of the conference, kind of the day in, day out, um, just taking care of the numbers and taking care of, of all the statistics within 
within the Texas conference. Great, great summary. Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, of the three, um, I understand that my ministry is more, like you said, the administrative part of it. In, sure. in some circles, I'm known as a COO. Oh, right, sure. Chief, Chief operating, operating officer. officer. Sure. Uh, sometimes I wonder if it's COO or <laughs> COO. <laughs> and, and also, uh, some fields uh, refer to the executive secretary as the um, vice president oh. of administration. Okay. So. Well, yeah, coming right. as as a former administrative pastor, executive pastor, I totally track with with there your you role and and making the trains run on time and make sure because our field is is very large. Um, talk just for a second about how large our field is um, in terms of territory, because I think there's some people. Hopefully, many of the leaders that are listening understand kind of the, the Texas conference does not cover the entire state of Texas. So talk a little bit about the territory, but also talk about some of the numbers, because I think we sometimes forget, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. I I understand that completely from all the time I've lived here. But what in terms of territory, but also in terms of of demographics, how big is the Texas conference? Well, you know, good point. The western part of Texas belongs to Texaco, which is New Mexico combined with the western part of, of Texas. So you're right. Uh, You know, we refer to Texas conference, but we realize that. Part of it is with our sister conference, Texaco. And uh, as far as um, membership goes, we are, uh, according to the last statistic, the most current, we are at 67,500 members. 67,000. Wow. Praise God. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, uh, and I have some notes here, um, those folks are are, uh, shepherded in 256 churches, 69 companies, and 32 groups. So, like you said, it's big. Going from, and, and this is what I find very fascinating about the, our territory, going from the Red River between Texas and Oklahoma to the Rio Grande River down on the south from just east of Abilene over to the Louisiana and Arkansas border. Exactly. That's a big, it's a big territory. I it's know you big... and I have driven a lot of the territory over our time in, mm-hmm. in Texas. So we... We have the opportunity to shepherd so many of these different churches, and our pastors do a great job, and our teachers do a great job in doing ministry. Um, do you know off the top of your head, I won't hold you to the number, about how many pastors we have or how many educators we have in the Texas Conference? Uh, according to the latest, again, the stats, we have 240 pastors and associate pastors. Okay, 240. And, yeah, and then uh, I was just checking with our church planning director, we have 85 uh, VLPs. Oh, wow. Volunteer lay pastors. So they they are not paid pastors. They're volunteers that go to exactly. some of our smaller churches. Right. Gotcha. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. We have 85 of those yep. in a program that just started not that long ago. Not that long ago. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and then educators, I think we have may have a little less than pastors. I think we may have 200 r- educators. Right. I don't have that okay. uh, stat right here in front of me. So. We're going to have the education department on later this year. So exactly. I'll I don't ask, wanna, yeah, I don't want to ask them. That's right. Yeah, yeah, ask yeah. them. So you're responsible as executive secretary. This is, again, a large field, a lot of um, things you've got to take care of. Talk for a minute about who else makes up your, your department. You talked about Elder Runnels. Um, who are some other people that that make up your your department that you know our our leaders in in the local church might interface with, in in one way or another? Right, right. Well, we have Rhonda Gardner. Okay. She's my executive uh, administrative assistant, so she feels a lot of calls and emails yeah. from from our members, uh, from our local leaders, 
And then we have um, uh, Mary Ramirez. Okay, yeah. She's a membership uh, clerk and handles, you know, transitions, whether into churches or out of churches, between churches, baptisms, re- recording those baptisms and profession of faith. So she's the one that the church clerks mainly interface with exactly. if they do something. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And then Elder Runnels, Elder takes, Runnels. Care, takes care of right. pastoral placement on the English side. Exactly. You have a good, a good, you've got a good team. Yeah, you, we have a great team. Great team. Very knowledgeable, very experienced, very skilled, and very dedicated. Yeah, they very, very much are. Um, so, again, we're talking to leaders in the local church. Explain, if you can, in a, in a short way, because it can get very convoluted and, mm-hmm. and, and complicated, the different administrative layers of the Seventh Avenue Church. Mm. And then, well, let's do that, and then I'll ask the, the okay. follow-up question sure, to that. Sure, sure. Well, basically, you know, you have the local church members, okay? So you have a, a group of local church members. They make up a church, okay? Okay. And I mentioned, you know, groups, companies. So, you know, you have uh, 15 to 20 um, members that will form a group, a mission group. And then over time, as they grow and become, say, 35 members or so, they can qualify to be a company. Okay. Okay. And once that company becomes, uh, you know, there's several benchmarks, but I'm, I'm focusing on sure. the membership. Whenever um, they hit about 70 members, then they can become a church. Gotcha. And of course, there's different processes processes um, that, that take place. So um, these uh, churches, of course, uh, are, are the first layer, so okay. to speak, churches. Then a group of churches um, gives us a, a conference. Okay. And then uh, you have several conferences that uh, will create a union. Okay. And then uh, the next level would be the, the general conference. And they have regional offices, which are the divisions. Okay, gotcha. And we have 13 divisions. So you have the, the, the local members, you know, the, the, the church, conference, union, and the general conference okay. with its divisions. With its divisions. Our division is Being the North, North American, American Division. division. Mm-hmm. So then given that administrative structure— I'm sitting in the pew in one of our churches in Texas. How do I interact with those? Do I interact with those various layers? Obviously, we interact with the conference uh, because they pass. We, you know, we we do pastoral placement, we do you know the tithe, all that kind of stuff. But how does a, a church leader maybe interact with the Southwestern Union, which is our union here that covers you know the five the five states here in the in the Southwest or the North American Division? Does it really make a difference in the life of a local church member, these different administrative levels above the conference? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, besides the ministry that, that the, gener- that the um, uh, executive secretary uh, carries out, uh, among those responsibilities is the public affairs and religious liberty. Okay. So let's, let's use that one. So basically when a member has a religious liberty issue or challenge, whether at work or at school— then you know they can call up to, to our office and we help them whenever it's necessary to go to the next level. Then we invite the union counterpart, in this case, okay. Elder Stephen Brooks, uh, secretariat there, to give us a hand. Okay. So at, at that point, um, if if um, that help or assistance is required, then that individual, this that church member, will be interacting with Elder Brooks on that level. Okay, gotcha. And if it's necessary to go to the next level, North American Division, then we would do that in that particular. So so subject. some of it then may be breadth of resources. Yes, yes. In terms of, of how, you know, the further up the, the that you get in the administrative structure, 
there's more resources that could be could be tapped into at these at these different at these different levels. Exactly, exactly. And, and sometimes, you know, for equipping purposes or empowering purposes, uh, our, our union, in this case, like you said, Southwestern Union, will give us a hand. They'll okay. have a, a regional training or equipping uh, uh, program of some sort, and of course, our, our members will be invited to take part and uh, participate, and of course, interact with with our leaders at, of the union. So, with the local church, we talked about the local church makes up local churches make up the conference. Mm-hmm. I want to bring up a, a word that that a lot of people may hear may not understand, and that is constituency. Mm. We just had a constituency meeting here this last summer. Right. Um, what in the world is constituent? How does that play into the entire work of the conference, and then ultimately constituency of the union and and further up? Right. Right. Well, basically, a constituency session is is really a, a business meeting. Okay. You know, for for the for, for the whole conference. So a local church has a as a business meeting in the local church. Every member can attend to that. So what you're saying is a constituency session is just a business meeting for the conference. Right. Okay. Right. And, and each church um, uh, selects delegates will represent the the church there at the constituency session. Okay. So with with all these layers of of organization uh, of our uh, church denominational structure. Um, our, our members ultimately have say who leads the church. Okay. You know, we have a, a, a representative form of, of government. Okay. So members will come together, they'll vote, and, and again, uh, send representatives, whether it's a local, regional, or the global level. Okay, gotcha. Even to general conference. Because exactly. that's how delegates are chosen as well. It's through through the, the layer, representative layers below them to, to do that. Exactly. And, of course, in the whole process, you know, it's uh, prayer. Sure. Is key. You know, it's bathed in prayer, and uh, our delegates are constantly praying, asking God to lead and guide so that uh, His will is done. So, what are some of the things for someone who's never been to a constituency session before? What are some of the things that we do at constituency that we don't do any other time? Mm, great, great. Well, um, first of all, we, we, we give reports. Okay. You know, uh, secretary will give report, uh, uh, treasurer will give report, the president. And uh, other departments, you know, whether it's education, whether it's um, evangelism, and so forth. So, so a lot of reporting takes place, and it, it's opened up for questions. You know, our members ask questions they want to yeah. know, you know, perhaps expand on, on what you just stated. And um, also uh, decisions are made, you know, transacting, transacting business uh, decisions are made uh, on, on things that, that the local conference on its own with the executive secretary, um, Committee, excuse me, we'll talk committee, about in a second, right? c- cannot cannot carry out. So, uh, for example, say, you know, we want to purchase um, property for a camp, okay, Lake Whitney right. Ranch. Well, you know, the executive secretary, excuse me, executive uh, committee, committee, cannot decide that. They can recommend, but uh, it's a constituents who, have, who decide okay. uh, ultimately. Gotcha. An election of election of officers and, is, and departmental directors happen at, at constituency too. Exactly, exactly. So uh, yeah, you have your president, you have your secretary, treasurers, and, and of course other de- departmental directors. So how long is it between constituency sessions? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, we have. Um, uh, my, my mind just went blank. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, no. We have uh, be, between constituency sessions, of course, 
we have uh, area meetings. Oh, right. Where we, okay. We go, where we okay. go reporting. We go uh, and, and, and give reports to, to the different areas. And then um, once once uh, every four years, then we have okay. the, the constituent session. Gotcha. So someone might be sitting there again in, in a local church here in Texas and say, wow, those layers, you know, you got the the conference who's in Alvarado. You've got the union, Southwestern Union headquartered in, in Burleson, just up the, the road from us here in Alvarado. You got the North American Division in Silver Spring, Maryland. You got General Conference, the World Church's headquarters. Do we? Why do we need all these different levels of administration? Share why is it important sure. you know, that our church is structured the way that it that it is? Right, right, right. Um, you know, God is a God of order, mm-hmm. and His church also needs to be uh, a body that works in an organized, united manner. So, because our, our main objective is is mission, you know, to preach the good news of Jesus then definitely we need uh, order, we need organization, we need unity, we need strength. And um, the structure that we currently have allows us to do just that in the most effective and efficient way. So we want to preach the gospel, we want to preach the, the three angels' messages, uh, we want to preach the good news of Jesus. Then for that to happen, for, for the Great Commission to be fulfilled, we need structure. Okay. We need organization. Otherwise, you know, any institution, any entity, any business, any church without organization would, would be chaotic and would cease to exist sooner or later. So the way we are structured is for mission. Exactly. Mission not only in our territory where our church is, but literally mission worldwide around the world. Mm-hmm. One of the great things, and, and I know you've traveled around the world as, as I have, it's very interesting to go different places in the world and walk into a Seventh-day Adventist church and realize that a lot is the same because we are under one big, one big umbrella. The hymns may be in a different language, but the Sabbath school lesson is the same. Um, the the, the um, branding of the Seventh-day Adventist mm-hmm. church is the same. So there, there is something that when you travel, you really get a sense of, wow, this church is more than just my church here that I go to every Sabbath, but it's literally a worldwide church, and we have a worldwide field to, to, to minister to. One of the things that kind of sticks out as we were talking about the membership is, and again, this is, this is the entire state of Texas. We have 30 million people. Living in the in in the state of Texas, and I and I kind of did the math with our conference, the Southwest Region Conference, even the part of Texaco that is in. We've got a lot of work to do. Sixty-seven thousand people on membership is praise God, mm-hmm. but what I hear you saying is that our structure is designed to keep moving that mission mission forward. That's correct. That's correct. And recognizing that we're a much bigger thing than just our our local church. That's right. So we talked about committees. I, I, I want to bring up committees. Um, our church, it, <clears throat> good, bad, or indifferent, we love our committees. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a joke that, you know, if you want something to, an idea to die, assign it to a committee. And we as Adventists will just keep meeting about it, meeting about it, meeting about it. It'll, it'll never happen. We mm-hmm. do our work through committees. Right. Talk about some of the things, some of the committees that we have here at the conference level 
and then how that interfaces with with our local churches. You, have, for example, you alluded to executive committee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what is executive committee? How does that interface? But so what are some of the other committees that we have at, sure, at the conference sure, level? Sure. Well, I, I see committees as teams because that's really what they are. They're teams. I like that better than committees. <laughs> and you know, a team, of course, um, you have these individuals who bring their experience, their knowledge, their wisdom together, and they process different issues, challenges, plans, visions, or, or items. And they give their input. And uh, at the end of dialogue and discussion, well, uh, a decision is reached and an action is taken. And, um, you know, the, um, the executive c- committee, for example, you mentioned, is made up of uh, members from local churches, you know, local leaders. You have uh, employees, whether it be pastors, teachers, uh, some office staff, and everyone... Um, in, in prayer, you know, surrendering to God, asking for his wisdom and, and, and understanding will, again, tackle uh, projects. And, um, you know, they're at the executive committee. You know, they process um, licenses, uh, credentials uh, for, for pastors, okay. uh, teachers, or uh, administrative staff. You know, they will process uh, new church groups, uh, plants, uh, companies, churches, and— um, a lot of, uh, or everything, I should say, that is processed at the personnel committee, which is another committee, okay. and the finance committee will be affirmed or, or ratified, if I could use that term, they're at executive committee. Okay. So, so any decision that is made at the personnel committee or the finance committee, in these examples, are, are recommendations really to the okay. executive committee. So the executive committee has rep- representations from all over the conference. Exactly. So exactly. we have representatives from East Texas, San Antonio, the Rio Grande Valley, from Houston. So everybody really has a say. It It is very much a cross-section of leaders from throughout the Texas conference. Right. It's just not hand-picked people. Oh, the, these people are going to agree with me as the president or as the officers. These are people that have been chosen by constituency to come together. And I like to liken You talked about, you know, the um, constituency being a business session our executive committee really is kind of our conference church board. There you go. That comes together on a on a monthly basis because we meet, we meet once a month. We we joke around here that you know we have committee day. All right. a lot of our committees are kind of stacked on on top of each other meeting. So you talked about executive committee. That's kind of the church board mm-hmm. of the of the conference. But you also talked about finance committee and personnel committee. What? Right, finance committee is uh, that one uh, team that will process um, a new budget for the new year, for example. Okay. Uh, uh, the treasurer will report on the financial state of the conference, you know, how we're doing financially. We'll process loan applications, uh, purchase of, of equipment for, for the conference. For example, a new vehicle is needed, at, say, at the Lake Whitney Ranch. It will be processed there sure. at, at, at finance. Okay. And then personnel, what do they do? Apart? I mean, I, I guess it's in the name, but give us a little bit of a mm-hmm. of a sneak peek of what is personnel. Right. Personnel um, deals with persons, like, like you said. And uh, whenever um, a, a new person needs to be hired for a, a ministry, a department here, okay. it, it'll be processed there. Uh, again, if someone is retiring, it'll be processed there. Pastoral transitions, you know, it'll be processed there. And again, these are all recommendations that are. These are all subcommittees of of executive committees. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So again, on those committees, correct me if I'm I'm wrong, because I've served on on both personnel and on on executive committee. There's a cross section of people on finance committee. There's a cross section of people on 
personnel committee. There's a cross-section of people on executive committee. So we, as a church, again, because we're, we're part of a global church, have this representative model of governance mm-hmm. where we want to have wisdom from all over our, our field. Exactly. As you kind of look at your time as executive secretary, have we done a good job of representation? I mean, you feel like everybody, every constituency, um, every group has been represented on our, on our committees? I believe so. And, you know, someone might say, well, that's what you're saying sure. that because you're here at the <laughs> office. But as I look, um, the individuals that are there, again, you know, much prayer is invested in those uh, decisions. And, uh, you know, whether it's at the local level or here at the conference. And I I know without a doubt, having those different individuals represent those different areas is intentional. And, and that is to have that balance, that balance and, and get perspective from, you know, that brother who's a mechanic right. or, or, or the teacher uh, or the physician, um, you know, whatever their, their field is, they are rich in experience and, and understanding, and I believe that uh, enriches our, our process. Well, I, I appreciate you calling committees teams. I'll try to remember that, that we're going to have team day instead of committee day. There you go. Um, starting in 2024. We have other committees. We have Board of Ed. Other committees that work, but but our church here at the conference, the churches all have representatives on these various committees. It's exactly. Just not, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Before before um, these committees or teams are put together, <laughs> we we look at all areas and we we make sure that, like you said, there's representation from every area. Make sure you know uh, we have uh, uh, gentlemen as well as ladies. You know, we have those uh, more experienced and, and perhaps those who are younger. You know, we want to have that balance. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of governing documents, kind of to segue. Um, we hear the church manual. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about what role does the church manual play in the local church for, for a leader? Excellent. Excellent question. So uh, the church manual, as we have it, uh, the first version, official published version, came out in 1932. Oh, because that's, a, that's something I did not look at you. You're yeah, yeah. Bringing, bringing this vast knowledge, 1932, first church manual. Well, before then, of course, attempts were made to, to put together instructions for church officers, local church officers. Okay. And, you know, they were printed in the Review and Herald back then, uh, you know, in, in tract form. And then um, they were collected, and an attempt was made to put them in, in like a book form. But but officially, uh, where someone sat down and started, you know, a manuscript uh, took place in 1931, and then in 1932 was when it was published. And basically, the church manual is um, those instructions or, or descriptions, I should say, of how a church should operate, local church should operate, and how its administration should be carried out. And also defines and describes the relationship between a local congregation and the conference okay. or, or other entities within our denominational structure. So this is a worldwide document. Exactly. It, it, if I'm remembering correctly, only changes can be made at, at the general conference session, which happens every, every five years. Mm-hmm. So I'm a local leader and I read something, it's like, man, that doesn't really apply in my context. Mm. You know, I think of, for example, there, there's a section in the church manual that has all the different offices that can be elected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a small church of 20 people and I see 30 slots. Do I need to fill it? 
In other words, does everything in church manual have to be followed religiously, dogmatically, or does there a little bit of like, okay, this doesn't apply in our situation here, but okay, there's some good principles. What? what? Right. No, no, that's a great question. And you mentioned a keyword there, principles. Okay. So yes, the the, the church manual, um, it, it's uh, its contents are are based on biblical principles. You know, principles found in the Holy Scriptures and underscored by the Spirit of prophecy. So I, I think those principles, I know without a doubt, those principles need to be followed. But in the practical application of, you know, how many uh, individuals should form a nominating committee, you know, in a local church, well, that all depends, like you said, on the context, right. you know, okay. the size of the church. So in those kind of um, areas, then, yeah, you, you have to adapt. You have to apply what, what works. But as far as principles— Anything pertaining to the administration or the functioning or operation of the church, uh, those principles need to be followed. And they're and and the, for they're the well-being. In, okay, and they're found in the church in the church manual. Okay, exactly. Gotcha. One of the other documents that you'll hear referred to, especially at the at, at the conference level, but uh, but I'm sure our leaders hear it, is Constitution and Bylaws of the Texas Conference. Now that's a completely different animal, I think, than the church manual. The church mm-hmm. manual is a worldwide document. Constitution and bylaws specifically deals with what here in the town. What is in a what's what's in the Constitution and bylaws? Right, right. Well, the the Constitution and bylaws is a very important document, one that has uh, been worked and reworked and tweaked o- over time. And there is a standing bylaw Constitution and bylaws committee that will periodically review it to see if something needs to be um, changed. And which, by the way, only a constituency... Only, okay, can, can that's that something else. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically, the Constitution and Bylaws is a document that helps the conference operate and function in an efficient, effective manner. You know, it, it talks about the executive committee, you know, who is a chairperson, okay. the president, uh, the secretary, treasurer, and, and their roles, and uh, also um, how the nominating committee process works, gotcha. you know, okay. and, um, you know, uh, different formulas and, and representations, uh, numbers, and so forth. So I, I want to go back to what you said. God is a God of order. We need to have, we need to have structure. And as we look at the Seventh-day Adventist Church, it is the structures designed for mission. Exactly. Um, and, I, and I wonder— and, and I'm going to end with this question, and then I'm going to ask you for your takeaway. Are the structures of the church as we are in 2023, are they working? I mean, is it, it – again, every structure has issues because it's with people, but how do you see – because, again, you you get to attend meetings with the union, with the division. Um, is it working well? Is it working? Do we need to ditch it? I mean, I've heard all mm. these different things – in my time in the church, what what's your perspective on on our structure? Since mm. you're so 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 intimately involved with kind of how it all works and and helping it to to be efficient. Yes, yes, I believe, and you know, you mentioned because this is a divine institution. You know, it, it is God uh, who authored the church, and um, He's uh, the head of of the church. You know, Jesus Christ is the head of the body, but we're dealing with human beings who you know. We aren't perfect, right. of course, and, and we, of course, do our best in God's power and grace and, and wisdom. But I think, uh, I think the structure, the way we have it currently, um, works. And now, if, if God were to reveal something different, you know, we can improve here, improve there, 
then we need to be sensitive to, to his voice and his direction. But, uh, you know, one of the, the blessings that we have as a Seventh-day Adventist church um, is the spirit of prophecy, mm-hmm. the writings of Ellen White. And, uh, you know, she underscores and, and uh, reviews the, the different levels uh, of organization. And um, when applied uh, and uh, blessed by God, of course, then the, the, the result is, is prosperity, spiritual prosperity, sure. growth. Uh, increase, expanding the kingdom of God. I appreciate that. And one of the things I think that as someone who's been in the church his entire life, I've seen the philosophy change a little bit instead of being a top-down organization where everything kind of flows from GC, Mm. NAD to, you know, union, conference, local church, that the philosophy has changed now that we realize the local church is the heart of the church. Exactly. And that every administrative level from our level at the conference to the union to the general conference of North American division, they are to serve the local church. Mm. And I think that's something that I think has helped our structure continue to be effective is this philosophy change of the church, those people in, in those 200 plus almost 300 churches around the conference and companies and groups, they are the heartbeat of the conference. If it weren't for them, it wouldn't, we would have no role. Mm-hmm. And so our role, and I, and I love this administration, which you're a part of, has the philosophy of we are here to serve the local church. Exactly. And I think that change in paradigm has helped our structure become even more, more effective. That's right. So That's I appreciate right. that, you know, on, on behalf of the leaders that are listening, thank you for, for having that philosophy of the church is, is really where it's at. Mm-hmm. We're going to do whatever we can. And, you know, some people think it's just a, a title or, or a slogan, but we hear this servant leadership yes. model. But um, like, like you said, that's what we strive for. We, we, we remind ourselves and remind others that we are here to serve them and them not to serve us. Right. So one takeaway. One of my goals with this podcast is every month with one of the, my guests, I say, if everybody forgets everything you said, and I said, which they probably will, what is one takeaway you want them to remember from our time together today? Well, we need to remember that uh, what we do as a conference, as a church, you know, it truly is a ministry. You know, it, it's not um, uh, some organization that um, has no spiritual motive or, or, or goal or objective, but it, it is a ministry indeed. And um, everyone is valuable. Everyone is important. Our, our church member uh, sitting, like you said, in that one small church or a big church is, is valuable and important and is a, a, a indeed a very important part of, of the Texas Conference team. You know, like you said, we're here to serve and not to be served. And uh, I think our greatest asset, and I'll just finish with this, our greatest asset after God and salvation in Christ, our greatest asset are people, mm. our church members. Each one is so unique, important, a super, and no one should ever feel or let themselves think uh, by someone or something telling them that they're not valuable, that they don't count, but they do matter. So if it weren't for our members, then we wouldn't have a ministry. That's right. That's right. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. So one of the things I want to conclude with, that I'm going to do with every one of our guests, so you're number one, kicking it off, Uh-oh. is the lightning round. And basically I've got six questions doesn't have to be long answers, no right answer, no wrong answer, but it gives us a chance to get to know you a little bit more. Are they true and false? They're not true and false. 
So let me let me start off the first one. Beach or mountains? Beach, I think. Beach. Any particular beach you like going to? Um, we, we visited several, and they're all very nice. Uh, but, yeah, now mountains are also nice. So <laughs> you can't have both. Okay, no, yeah. wait a minute. You, get, you said beach, so you got to go with beach. See, like, yeah. So any particular beach? Um, you know, we were in, in Hawaii one time, Maui, and uh, that was very nice. All right. So, yeah, very relaxing, very scenic. All right. Most used app on your phone? Most used app on my phone. Um, wow. Probably the weather. The weather. Believe it or not. Yep. I like to run. That's right. Outside. That's a whole different. Yeah. And uh, so I'm always checking the weather. What, what's it going to be like? You know, uh, am I going to be able to run? If not, do I have to do something in the garage, you know, cardio wise? Uh, so I'm all, I'll, how am I going to dress? You know, of course, winter approaching. You know, is it just one layer, two layers or three layers? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think that's, uh, and, and for our listeners, when David says he runs, he runs multiple, multiple miles longer than I, I even want to drive, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, favorite hobby outside of ministry, favorite hobby outside of ministry. Um, well, if it's considered a, a hobby, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, exercise, exercise, exercise. Yeah. Uh, you know, many, many forms of employment, jobs, um, trades, uh, what have you, can be very stressful. And, you know, ministry is not an exception. So we have to find some type of outlet, some type of form or system of escape, you know, yeah. if I can use that. So I found that exercise does wonders for me personally. You know, uh, every morning, of course, we start the day with, with God, spend plenty of time without rush there. And then we move on to to the exercise, so that when we come into the office, office which is sedentary, like many many um, folks who, who work, um, I will have already fulfilled gotcha. that that box, checked off that box. Gotcha. Uh, so I, I find that very fulfilling, satisfying, relaxing, and uh, I think that would qualify for a hobby. No, that is a, definitely a hobby. One thing on your bucket list. One thing on my bucket list. Well. I don't know if I'm going to commit myself uh, here. Uh, I'm going to make myself, uh, put myself in a difficult position. But some time ago, again, on the, on the note of running, uh, talking with Elder Dixon, our communications director, you know, um, some time ago, determined, was uh-huh. born, was born, uh, cycling different uh, cities to different cities, distances. And um, I decided to do my part by, you know, Continue running and uh, every so often make a donation toward this this um, this great cause based on the mileage. And at one point, as I was thinking, you know, what would be the next level? You know, Elder Dixon has his team cycling from this place to that place. And um, I thought, what if, what if I would run from the West Coast to the East Coast? Oh, wow. For the purpose of the determined campaign so we can reach our goal. And, you know, I thought about it, thought about it, reflected on it. I mean, is that possible? And I started, you know, searching, Googling, and others, of course, have done it. I wouldn't be the first. Um, and then I spoke with Elder uh, Dixon, and he said, we talked about, hey, cycling, maybe I'd run, you know. So, you know, I'm getting older, of course, <laughs> not younger. So, you know, exercise and movement can be harder and more challenging. So, I, you know, wonder, was it just, just a... Uh, an impulsive thought that I had or a dream or 
can it be part wow. of a bucket list? Running from the West Coast to the East Coast. Right. Start sometime, somewhere in, in California and end, you know, wow. whether in Florida or, or a state up north. And uh, so that's still, um, even, even though we'd finished, for example, we reached our goal of $1.5 million for the um, endowment fund for uh, education, um, still that would be there always hanging, you know, what if I would have done it? Or should I do it? I like that. So, so that's something All that right. um, I think would qualify for a bucket list. Stay, stay tuned, listeners. We may be uh, interviewing uh, David in Nebraska somewhere as he's running across the country. There you go. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Superpower? Um, probably, man, I can only pick one. You can only pick one. It'd probably be strength. Strength. Strength, strength. Again, it's all related. It is. Yeah. Um, a close second is uh, the ability to be invisible. Oh. See, um, as you know, you've, you've concluded, um, I'm somewhat timid and shy. I don't like to be up front. And, you know, that's rather unusual for a preacher, right? But God knows what he does, I believe. Uh, so strength, because as, as we get older, we lose strength. So to, to, to have strength, you know, as a constant and to be able to do things for others, you know, uh, whether elderly parents, for example, sure. uh, our grandkids, you know, helping them, supporting them, strengthening them in some way or some I fashion. I love that. Yeah. All right, last one, and I know you're going to hit a home run on this one. Best piece of advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice that I've ever received. Again, there's many, right? So the best one. Probably be yourself. Be who God made you to be. You know, don't try to be someone else. Don't try to talk, act, behave like someone else. Although, you know, everyone is unique and, and um, they're, they're very gifted, of course. But to just um, be myself. Uh, you know, God created me uniquely like he created you in a unique manner. And we each one all have something to contribute. And, to make a difference in this world. Knowing you as long as I've known you, David, you are living that out. You are you are someone who is very unique, who I love to just continue to get to know and to work with. But you are yourself. Mm. I, I, that is that is truly. There's no pretense. There's no. You are who God created you being. And I thank you for that. I thank you for joining me on the Leadership 360 podcast. For those who are listening, you can uh, subscribe. We're going to have an episode every month on the third Thursday of the month. So if you hit subscribe, you'll make sure that you won't miss it. But um, I'm excited to, to begin this journey with you as our leaders here in the Texas Conference as we seek to be better leaders in our home, our community, and in our churches. So we look forward to seeing you and talking to you next month. Leadership 360 is a Texas Conference of Seventh-day Adventist production. Our executive producers are Ken Dixon and Dr. Tom Grove. Our producers are Ever Sorto and Tammy Townsend. Our sound engineer is Aaron Metter and video editor is Tammy Townsend. New episodes of Leadership 360 are released on the third Thursday of every month, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find the video version of this podcast on the Texas Conference YouTube. Thanks for listening.